Hello, I'm Wayne, and this is my Iron Maiden podcast, sponsored by Farm Foods Baked Beans. Get the perfect pie island every time with one can. On these podcasts, I look at Iron Maiden songs one by one, in chronological order, and look at how they impacted me as a boy in the 1980s, growing up in Birmingham. On this show, I'm looking at the song Drifter, which is track 10 on the Killers album, and that's the final track. Last week, I looked at the song Purgatory, and as usual, I made many interesting observations about the song and its lyrics and what it could all mean. One of the mysteries that came from the show was the identity of Thomas Ross Hopkins, who is listed as a songwriter on many lyric sites and even Pandora and Last FM. Now, some people were kind enough to show me links to things like ASCAP, where song producers and companies are listed who owns the song. And of course, as we all would suspect, Steve Harris is the person listed here. But that doesn't solve the mystery of why there's this person called Thomas Ross Hopkins on so many websites. So I still don't know the answer. I was quite disappointed that not many people joined me on this hunt because I'd spoken to my marketing department and we'd come up with a range of merchandise with who is Thomas Ross Hopkins written on it, like T-shirts and pencils and things. So that's so. there's no point then, is there? Because people aren't that bothered. Maybe everyone knows who Thomas Ross Hopkins is, except me. If Thomas Ross Hopkins is listening to this show, maybe he'd like to get in touch and we can have a chat. I've had some more comments about Adrian Smith's children's book. And we've had a treat, haven't we, with him reading some chapters from his work in progress. And guess what? It's Goldie Wilson again. Now, you may remember that it was him who complained about the intended age range for the book and that his son, who was 12, was bored by it. And once again, he's, he's complaining. Even though he's enjoying the book, he says that we've missed out chapter three. We, we did go back further to my comments and chapter two, The Rod in the Small Wood. But there's a gap between this and chapter four, which was a jolly spiffing time. And he's keen to know what happened in that chapter in case there are some clues about old Mrs Stratton and the disappearance of children and other events that are happening. Now, Adrian Smith's answered this question for me and he said he's not happy with putting every chapter on because some people might be recording it and, and maybe they'll leak it before it actually goes to print. And he is concerned that it is a draft and the final version might be quite different. And he says that this is similar to being in Iron Maiden where you record demo versions that are quite different to the final produced polished version and then they become bootlegs. And he doesn't want this with his children's book. He just wants a final version. So he's going to be a bit more cautious now because of these comments. So once again, Goldie Wilson, you've ruined it for the masses. Um, and there's no Adrian Smith this week. As I've said, I'm looking at the song Drifter this week, the final song on the Killers album. I think it's a good final song for the album. And it was also often the last song in the live set. It's got that sort of feeling of being final. I quite like it and I don't know how to describe that but it just feels like it should be at the end. Drifter was also a chocolate bar when I was a boy. It was like a two-fingered chocolate bar with chewy caramel in the middle and it was actually my number one chocolate bar at some points in the 1990s. I remember somebody called John King coming to role playing and he used to have a drifter and I I admired him. I liked his attitude and, and in a way I wanted to be him. So I went and bought a drifter that Sunday and I really liked it. And I wrote it in my scrapbook, in my top 10 biscuits and chocolate bars. It was number one for about three months. Uh, It was there with Toffee Crisp in the top three for quite a while. But uh, Toffee Crisp dropped a few places as I got older. Um, I I went through other phases. And uh, yeah, 
uh, well, I think at one point I stopped doing the top 10. Apparently it was uh, a bit childish. But yeah, I think if I was doing a top 10 now, well, you can't buy drifters anymore. And that's what I'm getting to because drifters were discontinued and you can't buy them now, which is very disappointing. And there's more of this later. The introduction to the song Drifter is really interesting because all three guitars are doing like a harmony. And when I say guitars, I'm including the bass in that. So have a listen, you can just hear it and it's quite a nice to feel. Also at the start, you've got Paul Diano doing this sort of wail that I tried to recreate in, in my versions of Transylvania and the Genghis Khan song. That sort of rising scream that, that goes up in notes. Quite an impressive thing and it's quite hard to do, as I've discovered. The structure of the song is just like a cycle. Um, after the verse finishes, it's almost like the song starts again with that intro again. Uh, and that's quite a good feel. Uh, I like that. I think overall, the style isn't really in keeping with Iron Maiden as a whole. When you hear it, it's not really an Iron Maiden song in its feel. But obviously it is, because it's credited to Iron Maiden. I think it fits in with the whole period here. It's you know, quite sharp and quite punky, I suppose. Don't tell Steve Harris I said that. But, you know, can you imagine it being performed in a more punky fashion, maybe a few years earlier? It's only when it has that sort of breakdown and things slow down a bit. Um, when you get some ooze and a, a solo. Um, a, actually, it's a solo by Paul Diano almost. He's sort of just rambling on a bit. Um, quite sensual, not sort of groaning. Um, especially when you consider some of the risque lyrics that we've got in the song, like, I want to cuddle up to you tonight. Going to get you feeling so secure. Maybe it's a bit Norton. This section's got a, a solo in it that... Sounds a bit to me like an ice cream van. And uh, I call it the ice cream van section. I've got other names like this for various songs by I made and with guitar parts that remind me of other things. I've got a ghost train section within a song. I've got a weeping hermit section. But I'm not going to tell you what those sections are or what songs they're from. You'll have to wait till I do those episodes. I have mixed feelings about the ice cream van section. Because while I acknowledge the power of Dave Moore's guitar in that it makes me think of an ice cream van, that sort of thought of an ice cream van and the man who drives it in my local area gives me sort of slight butterflies in my stomach because of his appearance in the house on, on several occasions when I didn't understand why he was there. You can hear a live version of this as the B-side to Sanctuary, which I covered you know about a month ago now. Uh, and when they used to perform it live, Paul Diano added this sort of yo-yo bit. Uh, he'd go, yo, 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 like that. And you can hear it on, on, on that B-side and the crowd joining. It's like a sort of, a, I don't know, what what do they call it? Um, call and response or something. So Paul Diano does it and then the crowd do it. And then Paul Diano does it again. And the crowd do it again. And then Paul Diano changes it a little bit. And then the crowd copy this. So yeah, probably quite good fun if you're in the crowd. Um, interestingly a yo-yo was also a chocolate biscuit or bar that was discontinued so that, that's quite interesting so we've got a drifter and a yo-yo in the same song and yet both chocolate bars were discontinued um, probably in the last 20 years I don't think there's a direct link to Iron Maiden and the decision to cut these chocolate bars you can look at this throughout Iron Maiden's history as well they refer to Whispers in the Night in the song Judas Be My Guide and Whisper was a chocolate bar, and that was discontinued as well. 
until a Facebook campaign brought it back. I wonder if there are any other chocolate bars within the songs of Iron Maiden that are worried that they might be discontinued because of their links with the band. It's quite a good performance of Drifter on the B-side to Sanctuary. I've heard it before on in other areas on, on the internet where Paul Diana doesn't go off on one so much. He just sings yo, yo, yo as a sort of a throwaway bit at the end, really. He doesn't get the crowd going, just a shorter version. So, again, any sort of live recording of the early lineup, I really enjoy listening to. And, of course, that one would have included Dennis Stratton. And I had a message from him this week. Hello, Wayne. Dennis Stratton here. I see you on the Drifter episode, so well done for getting so far. I liked performing this song in the live set. It may not have been as interesting as some of the other songs, but it was still a treat. Occasionally, I'd be glad that we were coming to the end of the show. Not because I was bored or I didn't enjoy being on the stage performing, but it was because I liked the buffet at the end, and sometimes during the song Drifter, I'd imagine what awaited us in the dressing room afterwards. Occasionally, I brought my own snacks because some venues weren't as good for catering to our needs. I had chocolate and sometimes a pie and beer, of course. But not everyone was into this. I remember Paul Diano would often have a banana or a salad. When people spoke about his 20-a-day habit, everyone assumed it was cigarettes. But actually, it was fruit and vegetables. He did like sweets as well, though. I got drunk the other night, Wayne, and I ordered some things off eBay by mistake. I regretted it the next morning, but maybe I'll have some use for some lederhosen one day. I bid on a few pairs in case I lost out on them last minute, but then I fell asleep and realized when I woke up that I'd won all of them. I also realized that I won a signed photograph of me from the old days, which seems quite strange. I mean, I could have just got my photo album out and a pen, and, and done my own. I just wasn't thinking straight, Wayne. So look forward to the next few episodes from the Paul Diano era. Uh, hopefully I can still get in touch with you. Um, things are perking up a bit for me. I can go out and meet people, go on dates. Um, but I haven't had any yet, but hope to have some soon. But uh, it's been nice talking to you anyway again for series two. So uh, I'll sign out now. Lots of love from me and Julian. Dennis. As a boy... I didn't know what a drifter was, because I could tell from the lyrics that it wasn't about a chocolate bar, so I looked it up in the dictionary. It said it was somebody who travels or moves about aimlessly. I decided that, as things were a bit better in the outside world, I could go outside in my local community again and perhaps experience life as a drifter. You may recall that I did this in episode 2, when I went out and decided to try and see what it was like being a prowler. So I did the same again, but this time being a drifter. And here are my findings. Hello. I'm practising being a drifter in my local community. I'm walking down the street. It's quite exciting being a drifter because you don't know where you're going. It's quite busy. I think uh, there's lots of cars on the roads. I think this lockdown's finished now. So quite good conditions for drifters. I suppose drifters couldn't go and drift during the lockdown, like, same as prowlers. So we've seen challenges throughout society. Now, I'm going to the shop, but I feel that this is actually a con, because 
drifters shouldn't plan where they're going. So I think that maybe it's wrong to just go to the shop. Maybe I should sort of walk past the shop because that would suggest that I don't know where I'm going and I'm aimlessly drifting. But I do need some sweets, so I might go to the shop. Maybe practice drifting another day. I'm now in a park, my local park. Now normally I've, uh, I plan my route when I'm in the park and I normally walk around the perimeter in a, a anti-clockwise direction. But what I'm doing, now I've got to this sort of fork in, in the path, I'm actually going clockwise because I think that's what a drifter would do. Might maybe just decide on things when they got there. So I'm going to walk around clockwise, see what happens. There's quite a lot of people about no one's really looking at me they probably they probably just think I'm a drifter I'm no longer going in a coherent direction which I think is right so actually there's a bench and I'm going to sit on it I don't like sitting on benches because normally there's bird poo or I suppose I don't know who who might have just sat there before me but I'm just going to sit here wait for people I think it's the opposite isn't it of being a prowler like a prowler, you would sort of stand still and lurk with intent. Whereas a drifter, you're moving about and you don't really have an intent. There's no purpose to it. So I think that's quite artistic that Iron Maiden have sort of done this with the Paul Diano era, having these concepts at the start and the end, like a sandwich. If the Paul Diano era was a sandwich, I think it might be gammon and egg which isn't a sandwich you'd sort of think of much. Maybe I'll speak to him about this. So, yeah, looking at that, I think it was quite an interesting observation about the Paul Diano era being sandwiched by Prowler and Drifter, two sort of character types or even semi-occupations. I think I probably preferred being a Prowler, which is quite interesting and maybe not something I should admit on a podcast. I've been quite conscious that when I've been speaking to Trevor lately, he sort of mentioned quite highbrow things that I don't understand. So this week, I've done some research and I've looked at some drifters in cultural history. So I didn't want uh, Trevor to get all the praise from academics this week. So here are some drifters for you. I believe Dick Whittington was a drifter. I remember going to see Dick Whittington, the pantomime at Birmingham Hippodrome in the late 1980s. I enjoyed it. I can't remember much about the plot. I think he walked to London, and that's all I can remember, really. I don't know what else happened. I think there was a cat in it. Anyway, I remember telling the class about this uh, when I went to school because we had to sort of go up to the front of the class and tell people what we did at the weekend. And I was quite pleased that I had something interesting to tell for once. So, yeah, I described the experience of going to see Dick Whittington. At the end, Thomas Spencer asked me who my favourite character was in the pantomime. And I said, I like Dick. Unfortunately, everyone laughed. Even Caroline Blissett. I didn't laugh, though. I I didn't really understand. But then I realised that it was a disappointing trap. And uh, I've never been to a pantomime since. Another drifter that I remember from cultural history was The Littlest Hobo. This was a dark on a TV show for children. It was a bit like Lassie, but it had a better theme tune. And actually... In the theme tune, there are some similar lyrics to that of the song Drifter by Iron Maiden, which proves my point. In Drifter, we hear the the line, gonna keep on roaming, gotta sing my song. There's a similar lyric in The Littlest Hobo, until tomorrow I'll just keep moving on. But later on, that line changes to, 
until tomorrow, you know I'm free to roam. I don't think Steve Harris was inspired by the theme tune to The Littlest Hobo for this song. In fact, to look at this, I had to go on a lyric site. And guess what? Thomas Ross Hopkins wasn't there. It was submitted by a guest. So perhaps Thomas Ross Hopkins submitted the lyrics to Purgatory and didn't write them. But whoever he is, I feel that he's fooling the public with his antics. As I've said, Drifter was a live favourite in the early career of the band. I was pleased to see that it carried on after the Paul Diano era and it was uh, performed on the Beast of the Road tour and the World Peace tour, often at the end of the set, as you know, as before. There's a version that, that's been released officially uh, on that Hammersmith show on the Beast on the Road tour, Hammersmith Odeon. And uh, you can hear the difference in the two singers, how they perform this song. I notice on this version that Bruce holds that opening note for a longer time than Paul Diano does. It's sort of showing off that he's probably a, a more superior singer. But what he does is hold that note throughout it. Whereas Paul Diano, of course, did that rising wail, which was uh, perhaps a trademark of him. It does sound good with Bruce doing it for those first verses. It keeps that energy. I don't always like to hear him singing the Paul Diano songs. And I mentioned this in my episode about Killers. After those verses, though, he starts to ad-lib a bit. Ad-lib means spoken or performed without preparation, impromptu. So it's almost like he's just making it up as he goes along. I've had that criticism for this podcast from some people, which is very unfair. And it might be unfair to label Bruce with this ad-libbing, but I feel that he's a professional and he probably can get away with this. And with him doing this ad-libbing, alongside Dave Morris' solo, it's almost like they're both doing the solo. That's quite, that's quite interesting. The version of Drifter on this Beast on the Road tour, of, well, it eventually became an official release. It's actually over nine minutes long, and that means that halfway through the song, Bruce does this yo-yo section that Paul Diano introduced, of course, when he did the, the set. I can tell by his face, I've seen video footage of it, that he doesn't want to do this trick that Paul Diano introduced. Probably feels uncomfortable. And, and after a while, he starts asking the crowd if they're OK. And then when they respond, he pretends he can't hear them. And then uh, that, they sort of say it a bit louder. And this goes on for a while, as if it's a pantomime. And this never happened in Dick Whittington. So I don't know where Bruce Dickinson got this from. Maybe it's in a different pantomime. Jack and the Beanstalk or something. This is the last song on the Beast on the Road tour set list. And uh, after that, they did the encore. So at, at the end of Drifter, you can hear them say goodnight. And if you watch footage of the show, interestingly, you see how Clive leaves the stage. He sort of slides under his gong, which is quite interesting. As I've said, they played it again the next year on the World Peace Tour. But here it was a, a, normally an encore. They didn't bother with it after that. I think they gradually moved away from those early songs, didn't they? And uh, we only saw it again on the Eddie Rips Up The World Tour in 2005, when they played it at some venues as an encore. Now it's time for... Dave Morey Fact of the Week. If you write down all of the band's surnames, you'll find that Murray is the most popular name for a pet. It beats Harris by quite some distance. There are quite a few people who've got a dog called Bailey, but that's often spelt differently to how Blaze Bailey spelt his name. So Dave Murray has got the most popular name for a pet. Hope you enjoyed possibly the final Dave Morey fact of the week. Yeah, that was it. So uh, because it's the last show of the series, apart from the sort of bonus episodes that are coming up in the next two weeks, the album review show and uh, the Paul Diano special, 
maybe I won't do a Dave Moore fact of the week. Uh, I did introduce it after some criticism at the end of series one, where people said I wasn't giving him enough attention. So uh, I will be reviewing this for season three uh, or series three. Right, I'm going to ring up Trevor now. Um, let's see what he's been doing this week. Hi, Wayne. Hello, Trevor. How are you today? I'm feeling pretty good. I uh, got up early, had some cereals, and uh, yeah, been been uh, doing a lot of running around. Speaking of uh, running around, I had, I had a few people commenting about uh, you playing with sticks in the park, and uh, they thought it was a bit strange. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I'm a bit bit fed up of some of these comments from people. Um, people are moaning about me going swimming, and, and now now it's about sticks. I don't see why playing with sticks in the park should be strange. I saw a boy in a supermarket once, and he was just spinning round, and um, I thought, yeah, I'd like to do that. But it would have looked strange, wouldn't it? Um, but I wonder why that is. I think it's just a problem with society, really. And um, as a result, I'm I'm trying to be less self-conscious. So if I want to play with sticks in a park or wear grey t-shirts, I think, why not do it? I think this lockdown has made us ask lots of internal questions. Yeah, I suppose you're right there. Um, OK, well, you've explained it. I mean, you know, I don't mind. You can do all sorts of things, don't you? Like some people think... It's strange for a man to be doing colouring or making papier-mâché in a, in a shed, but everyone's got hobbies. And, uh, yeah, I, I'd agree with Trevor here, even though sometimes we don't see eye to eye. If Trevor wants to play with a stick, uh, I don't see why it should be an issue. So I'm glad that's cleared up. And uh, let's talk about the song Drifter. Yeah, I like it. It's uh, I think it's quite simple compared to a lot of songs. Uh, tidy, I'd say. I, I'd, I'd, I'd say it's a tidy song, and I don't think I've said that about a song by Iron Maiden yet. It's tidy. Uh, it rounds off the album, and as a result, rounds off the era nicely. And I think that's good because it was often the set closer, even before maybe the debut album. So it was knocking about for a long time, wasn't it? Yeah, that's that's right. It's uh, an important song. Uh, right, so if you've got any poems for us, actually, uh, earlier in the show, I did mention some drifters in, in the history of art and... Uh, various things so you don't need to worry about any Shakespeare or, or whatever you, you, you know about for drifters if you could just do your poem this week I've, I've got that covered okay yeah I'll just do a poem then here it is a chiff chaff sat upon a branch it looked at me and my green balloon it said hello and I got confused and it whistled a merry tune I drift about from tree to tree and see all sorts of riffraff. But you seem like a charming chap. So I said thank you. Okay, so it just ended there again. I mean, you you realised that you said riffraff, and what you could have done at the end was say, thank you, chiff-chaff, and it would have rhymed? Yeah, but that, I didn't want to do that. Okay, but why put riffraff in? I mean, I, I assumed you were going to rhyme it with chiff-chaff at the end, seeing as that's the bird in the poem. Why would I have said thank you, chiff chaff? That that's a silly thing to say. Well, for for poetry reasons. Well, well, I knew his name was Brian, so I wouldn't have said chiff chaff, would I? Brian the chiff chaff. Yeah. Maybe I should explain what riffraff is, because I think that maybe some people in other countries don't know the term riffraff. Do what you like, Wayne. I, I don't think I don't want every word defined in my poems. I think people can. Take it how they want, really. That's that's the point. And part of what I like is that 
the fact that you expected something and I didn't give it to you. So that, that to me, is the mark of a true artist. Okay, well, fine. That's, I guess if people are tuning for the poetry, that, that may that may resonate with them. Um, maybe speaking to birds while walking around a... Well, well I, assume you're in, I assume you're in a park with a balloon. Um, anyway, um, thanks for that, Trevor. And next week, uh, yes, it will be the album review show. So I don't anticipate a poem, but uh, maybe we'll think about that in the coming week and we can discuss things. Great. Looking forward to it, Wayne. Speak soon. Bye. Okay, that's Trevor. And hopefully, as you know by now, you can follow me online. I'm at Wayne Maiden on Twitter. I'm also on Facebook and I've got a page on Ko-Fi um, where I have done some bonus content now and again, some blog posts, some images, even a sort of secret episode where you can access that by donating the price of a Frey Bentos pie. So if you'd like to know more, go to ko-fi.com forward slash wimp. I mentioned a few comments I've had at the start of the show, but here are a few more tweets and, and items. I've had a tweet from Mr. Anagram, who says that uh, Red Rift is an anagram of Drifter. Uh, yeah, I think he got in touch last week with an anagram for Purgatory. I'm not sure I like these. Um, I, I don't think they're really that relevant. Um, I mean, it's nice of you to get in touch, but maybe stop. Um I don't think it adds to the discussion. Um, might be clever to some people, but I sort of... I don't mind some people writing in every week, but some people like Hawklord and, and, and he's... I mean, this could be... Yeah, probably is Hawklord again, isn't it? Mr. Anagram. I don't know. I don't know what an anagram of Hawklord would be, but I don't think it's Mr. Anagram. Anyway, um, no more anagrams, um, if you don't mind. I've had a, a tweet from someone called Brucey Babe, who um, is getting a bit tired of me uh, putting down Bruce Dickinson in my podcast. I hadn't realised I'd done this. Apparently that I've been quite critical of the way he sings the um, Paul Diano songs. I mean, let, let's be fair, that's that's all I've had to talk about him at the moment. And maybe in the next series, when it's his album, I'll be more complimentary about him. And uh, you'll you'll find out my thoughts on him because he was the singer when I got into Iron Maiden and I didn't know Paul Diano. But as I said, I'll be discussing more about this in the Paul Diano show and when Bruce is the singer. We've got so many series coming up, haven't we, with Bruce's album. So I want to I want to focus on Paul Diano. He's had the decency to turn up and talk to me, hasn't he? Even if it is a, a version of him from 1981. But I appreciate your comments, Brucey Babe, and I hope you're happy in the, the next series. So that's Drifter, um, yeah, the end of the Killers album. But as I say, join me next week for the Killers album review. I'm sure there'll be people who just come along for that, maybe aren't listening to this bit. Um, so, yeah, try not to sneer at them when you're listening, just those sort of people who just come along for the highlights at the end of the album. Um, yeah, they're listeners too, so yeah, keep, keep, it, uh, keep it civil. And, uh, yeah, maybe I'll speak to some of you on Twitter, Facebook in the week, and... Uh, Thank you for listening, and here's some Drifter to see out the show. Thank you. Bye-bye.